Today we're continuing to explore what Jesus said while He was on the cross. Hello, I'm Phil Sanders, and this is a Bible study in search of the Lord's way. Jesus spoke. Let's listen. Stay with us. In all the hurry and hustle and confusion of modern living, the Lord has the way. We believe that the Bible is the revelation of His way. We invite you to join us in search of the Lord's way with Phil Sanders. Welcome to In Search of the Lord's Way. We're here to search the Scriptures for God's will. Listening to the words of the Lord Jesus opens our hearts to God. Truly listening to a loved one or a friend is one of the most loving things you can do. Listening to the Lord is not only a way to love Him, but also necessary to our eternal life. Jesus has the words of eternal life, and we need to hear and believe what He says. If we plan to have eternal life, let's listen to Jesus. Thanks for taking time with us today. We want to be a part of your life each week. I've spent several months studying the period between the Last Supper and the day of Pentecost, focusing on the suffering, death, burial, and resurrection of my Lord Jesus Christ. More than once I've wept over the suffering, marveled at His strength of character, wondered at the hard-hearted Jewish leaders, and rejoiced at the victory of the empty tomb. These days in the first century were the most important of all time. And if we lose sight of these days, we're truly impoverished. I don't know of a spiritual or a social problem that wouldn't find help by a long look at the gospel events. I'm more than grateful that I can unite with my Lord Jesus in His death, burial, and resurrection. Romans 6, verses 3 to 7. And I can be planted with Christ so that I can walk in newness of life. I can be freed from an old man of sin and live with a good conscience. I can have joy and peace and hope. I can suffer with Him for a time so that I can one day be glorified with Him forever. I can let Him live with me each day so that I can live with Him forever. Hallelujah! What a Savior! We offer this study free on the words of Christ, what He said on the cross. And if you'd like a printed copy of our study and you live in the United States, may your request to In Search of the Lord's Way, Post Office Box 371, Edwin, Oklahoma 73083, or send an email to Search TV at searchtv.org. Or you can call our toll-free telephone number. That number is 1-800-321-8633. We also have materials free on our website at searchtv.org. The Edmund Church will now worship in song. We'll read from Isaiah 53, 10-12 and explore the words of Jesus on the cross.
Our reading today comes from the book of Isaiah the prophet, chapter 53, verses 10 to 12. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sins of many, and interceded for the transgressors. That's what the Lord Jesus did for you and for me. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we're thankful for His sacrifice as a guilt offering for our sins so that we might have forgiveness and might have a relationship as Your children. Father, help us to always do Your will and to love You in Jesus' name. Amen. continuing in this lesson our study of the words Jesus spoke while on the cross. It must have been hard for Him to speak since crucifixion caused intense thirst and great pain just to breathe. Although it must have been the most painful experience of His life, Jesus didn't complain of His physical pain upon the cross. But something more harsh than physical pain came from His lips. Matthew 27, 46 says about the ninth hour that Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this is not so much a cry of physical pain as it is a deep heartache. J.W. McGarvey, a biblical scholar in years past, offered this insight. He said, we can imagine what it would mean to a righteous man to feel that he was forsaken of God. But the more we feel and enjoy the love of another, the greater our sense of loss at being deprived of it. Considering, therefore, the near and dear relationship between the Son and Father, 
It's evident that we can never know or fathom the depth of anguish which this cry expressed. Suffice it to say that this was without doubt the most excruciating of all Christ's sufferings, and it was, it too was a suffering in our stead. Jesus bore the punishment for the sins of all people in all places for all time. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3 and verse 13. And this is a quotation from Deuteronomy 21 verse 23. Now by suffering on the cross, Jesus actually became a curse for our sakes. The prophet Isaiah wrote in chapter 53, 5 to 6, But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. We committed the sins. But the Lord bore the punishment for your sins and mine. The scourging fell upon Jesus so that we could be healed spiritually. Isaiah continued in verse 8, By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? You and I deserve the punishment. But Jesus willingly took it in our place. Out of love, He laid down His life on His own initiative. Isaiah 53 verses 10 to 12 says, But the Lord was pleased to crush Him, putting Him to grief, if He would render Himself a guilt offering. As a result of the anguish of His soul, He will see it and be satisfied. And by His knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and He will bear their iniquities. And therefore I will allot Him a portion with the great, and He will divide the booty with the strong, because He poured out Himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet He Himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Isaiah 53, 11 and 12. Jesus endured all the anguish of being a guilt offering, and being numbered with the transgressors. Yet He endured it to justify the many, to bear their iniquities, and to intercede for their transgressions. Now Jesus knew beforehand what He had to face at the trials and at Golgotha. He wept and prayed at Gethsemane that this cup of wrath might pass from Him. And in the end, He willingly laid down His life out of love for the Father and for you and for me. But to take up His cross meant He took up suffering. 2 Corinthians 2.21 says that God made Him, that is Jesus, that should be 2 Corinthians 5.21, says that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus knew what He must do. And in Hebrews 10.5-7 it says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sin offerings. You have taken no pleasure. And then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. 
Now this is Hebrews 10, verses 5 to 7. And Jesus, the Lord, took on flesh for the very purpose of offering His body as a sacrifice for our sins. For Jesus, His sacrifice was very personal. He knew God had to punish Him in order to atone for our sins. And so Jesus gave His brow to a crown of thorns, His face to slaps and spit, His back to whips and scourging, His hands and feet to nails, His side to a spear, and His blood to purchase our redemption. 1 Peter 2.24 says, And He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by His wounds you were healed. His body and blood physically endured the suffering so that He could heal us spiritually with His wounds. 1 Peter 3 and verse 18 explains, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Jesus was a sinless, righteous sacrifice for the sins of mankind. And like any sacrifice, Jesus was Himself innocent and righteous, but bore the guilt for the guilty. God has forsaken Him so that He wouldn't have to forsake you. His excruciating suffering and death for our sins was necessary to satisfy the wrath of the Father against the sins of the world. He bore our sins as a sacrifice that atoned for our sin. And He interceded for us and bore the stroke that was due His people and potentially for the whole world. Hebrews 2 and verse 9. Now Peter remarks that during this time on the cross, Jesus was entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. 1 Peter 2 and verse 23. Peter notes that we should do the same when we're treated unjustly in 1 Peter 4 and verse 19. Now Jesus suffered physically and emotionally the pain of humiliation, rejection, mocking, scourging, and being crucified. He suffered at Gethsemane with loud crying, Hebrews 5 and verse 7, and deep grief to the point of death, knowing that He would bear the punishment for the sins of all people, sins that He never committed, and is it any wonder that when the sky darkened and the earth shook, the Lord would recall the words of David and at that moment feel forsaken? With these words, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was quoting David in Psalm 22 and verse 1. Now Psalm 22 is the most messianic of all the Psalms. Some take, uh, we ought to take some time to read the whole Psalm. David, you remember at the end of this psalm in verses 25 to 31, praises the Lord and declares the Father's righteousness. Now Jesus could see God's will being done in the cross. Even though Jesus was in pain on the cross and was cursed by hanging on a tree and had the iniquities of us all laid upon Him, He never stopped entrusting Himself to the Father who judges righteously. 1 Peter 2, 23. Larry Kennard observed, There seems little doubt that Jesus felt forsaken by God. And even though we cannot fathom all that it might have meant to the relationship between Jesus and the Father, yet His petition does 
not express, express hopelessness or utter despair, but rather a trust in God's ultimate vindication. This prayer highlights his extraordinary sense of intimacy with God. He says, my God, my God. And his confidence that God will break through the alienation that he now feels. Like the righteous sufferer in Psalm 22, Jesus can confidently say, In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Psalm 22, verses 4 to 5. Now, while Jesus suffered until He died, His future that same day would be in paradise. And He also knew that. John 19, 26 to 27 says, that when Jesus then saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved standing nearby, He said to His mother, Woman, behold your son. And then He said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. And in keeping with the biblical teaching to honor one's parents found in the Ten Commandments, Jesus provided a place for his mother, who was almost certainly widowed and probably in her late 40s or early 50s. She needed financial support and protection. And he gave that responsibility probably to John. John 19, 28 to 30 says, that after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, to fulfill the scripture said, I am thirsty. And a jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. And therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The words after this refer to his last act, which, he, which included, of course, his provision for his mother. And then all matters were now finished. He completed that which he came to do prior to his death. All of those scriptures, including the thirst he was now experiencing, were being fulfilled. And the time rapidly approached when he would yield up his spirit to the Father. Thirst is one of the severest agonies of crucifixion. For the perfecting of the Messiah by physical suffering. For it was fitting for Him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect uh, the author of their salvation through sufferings. Hebrews 2 and verse 10. Now the sour wine or vinegar, Mark 15 verse 36, that the soldiers offered Jesus here was commonly used by soldiers to quench their thirst. And it's different from the wine that was mixed with myrrh, which was a sedative, that they offered Jesus on the way to the cross in Mark 15, verse 23. Jesus refused the sedative, but He drank this in order to quench His thirst and to speak. They used hyssop to reach up and put it on His lips. And this liquid had a reviving effect, and Jesus accepted it. The final scripture fulfillment before His death involves Jesus quenching his thirst with a bit of the wine vinegar. And although John does not specify the exact Old Testament passage he has in mind, we're probably to understand Psalm 69 and verse 21, that they gave me vinegar for my thirst. Why this choice of beverage, probably better translated vinegary, vinegary wine, well, was this a, a last act of cruelty by a heartless group of soldiers? Probably not. 
is possible. But more than likely, the jar of vinegary wine was handy to quench the thirst of the soldiers on guard as they were simply acting out of duty or even as an act of compassion and respect toward Jesus. Luke provides an additional look at the very last words of Jesus. Luke 23 verses 45 to 46 says, It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. And because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. This is no ordinary crucifixion of a criminal. This is the central event in the history of the world. Its significance is revealed by the darkness and the tearing of the veil of the temple from top to bottom. Matthew 27, 51 adds that the earth shook and the rocks were split. It must have been terrifying. But Jesus confidently called out with a loud voice the words of Psalm 31, 5. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus began and ended the cross with a prayer. Let's pray. Oh, Father, help us to give ourselves into your hands, to love you, to serve you, no matter what may happen to us and what difficulties we face. We're thankful for our hope of being able to live with you forever. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus died knowing that He would rise again on the third day, Luke 9, verse 22. He knew that He had accomplished the will of the Father. He knew that His sacrifice atoned for the sins of humanity. He knew His blood would be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. He knew He would rise from the dead in triumph and be seated at God's right hand. And He knew that He would come again to receive His own and take them home to heaven. Jesus willingly suffered because He knew that His suffering and death wasn't the whole story. Jesus was willing to endure the cross and to suffer the shame because He knew what the cross would do for you and for me. 
He knew it would give us hope of forgiveness and eternal life. He knew we could be free from the old man of sin and could be born again to a new life delivered from sin and death. He loved us enough to suffer and to draw us to Himself and to eternal life. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and you can believe He is the Christ, the Son of God. Because He is Lord, turn from sin and serve Him as your Lord and Savior. With faith, love, and repentance, confess Him and be baptized into Christ. When you're baptized into Christ, you'll receive what He died for. You'll receive the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. Baptism unites us with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. And when you're baptized into His death, you're united with Him. You're crucified with Him, buried with Him, and raised with Him, freed from sin, and able to rise to walk in newness of life, according to Romans 6, verses 3 to 7. Won't you search the Scriptures for yourself and be obedient to His will? We hope that today's study of Jesus on the cross has stirred you to consider your soul. If you live in the United States and want a free printed copy of this message, mail your request to In Search of the Lord's Way. Post Office Box 371, Edmond, Oklahoma 73083. Or send an email to searchtv at searchtv.org. Or call the search office toll free at 1-800-321-8633. Now you can download these lessons or a newsletter online at our website, searchtv.org. There's also a schedule of our programs and a map with the location of churches in your area. Now, you can watch Search anytime on YouTube. You can see our programs. And then we hope you'll subscribe to our channel, Search TV Ministry. We also offer free Bible correspondence courses. Now, don't worry. We're not asking for money. We're here to help you get to heaven. Focus your heart on God today by worshiping at church. Everybody needs a church family, and there's probably a church of Christ in your area. And if you're looking for a healthy biblical church home, we'll be happy to help you find one. We'll be back next week, Lord willing. So God bless you, and we love you from all of us at In Search of the Lord's Way.